You are now listening to the Double Say Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Justin Nicosia. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Double Say Sports Network. We're going to be covering the NL Central today. I'm Justin Nicosia, and I'm joined by Mr. Jack Heenan once again. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Heenan. What's going on? Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, the NL Central is an interesting division. Last year at the 60-game mark, every team was within five games. Now, it'll be interesting to see how they do in a 60-game season this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it should be a very competitive division this year once again. Uh, the Reds got much better. You could even argue that I guess the Pirates took a step back. I think the Cardinals should be around the same. The Cubs should be mm-hmm. very good again. And, you know, it's going to be a tough division once again. It's going to be a tough division. And uh, this is going to be our second installment in the MLB preview series. And just like we did in the last one, we're going to be going over every team, their rosters. We're going to give our picks for their MVP, their X Factors, their Cy Young. And afterwards, we're going to give our projections for the standings. Yep. So let's start off with the Chicago Cubs. Last year at the, uh, at the 60 game mark, they went 34 and 26. Uh, this season, they actually got a new manager, David Ross, uh, replacing Joe Madden. And they didn't have a great offseason, if we're being honest. They got rid of Nick Castellanos, Carlos Gomez, Cole Hamels, Jonathan Lucroy, Addison Russell, and Ben Zobris, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. But they did add Jason Kipnis, uh, Jeremy Jeffress, and Steven Souza as the biggest names. Yeah, they had – the bad part about the Cubs offseason was they couldn't do much with the money they have tied down to a lot of these players. Mm-hmm. So, I guess they maximized what, with the money they had, which, what they got. Kipnis is a very solid veteran that should fill a hole that Austin Russell left. And, you know, Sousa is a good bench piece to have. Jeremy Jeffers should help the bullpen. So, as a Cubs fan, I guess you, there's nothing to brag about with what they mm-hmm. got, but, you know, can't also complain at the same time. It wasn't a great offseason by any stretch of the imagination, but it could have been worse is exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah, I think Cubs fans are also very happy about David Ross being hired. World Series hero mm-hmm. for them. You know, Joe Madden had his time, won the World Series, will always be remembered as a legend, as a Cubs manager, but, you know, it's time to move on. It is time to move on. Uh, and it's time for us to talk about this lineup. Now, we talked in our NL East division uh, video about how a couple teams, especially the Mets, were going to benefit a lot from the DH. I think the Cubs are another team that benefit from the DH. I mean, you, they have a great lineup already. You have Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, you have a pretty decent outfield with Jason Hayward, Kyle Schwarber, Steven Souza. And you have a top five catcher in the league, Wilson Contreras. Now, where I think this helps them a lot is with Victor Caratini, their backup catcher. He's another solid bat, can hit pretty well for power, and he's nearly as good as Wilson Contreras, but he obviously doesn't get enough playing time and is overshadowed by Contreras, and he'll fit well in at the DH spot. Yeah, I think the DH spot should be very interesting for the Cubs. I think, in my opinion, the main option for them is going to be Kyle Schwarber, who is, in reality, he's been a DH just stuck in the National League for his whole career. And I mean, that'll allow. Yeah, that'll allow the Cubs to play Albert Mora Jr. every day in center field. You could play mm-hmm. Hayward in right, and then Souza will just shift over the left. So, I mean, they got a lot of options. should be interesting to see what they do with that. 
Yeah, whether it is uh, Schwarber that moves to the DH, because he also is a catcher until Contreras had come up and, and burst onto the scene. Yep. Uh, it would be between him and Caratini that would be, I would think, probably split in time at the DH spot when neither of them are playing in the field. Yep, definitely agree with that. Now, this rotation is it's always been pretty solid. Uh, nothing like extremely crazy, but still solid, ranking above average in the league. And I think this year is going to be no different with the trio of Hugh Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, and John Lester. I don't really think that the front of the rotation has any worries. Yeah, I think the front three should be fairly strong. It's just the back end is where the question marks start to pop up. I think Jose Quintana had high expectations coming into, over to the Cubs and hasn't been crazy impressive since he's been there. I think he is a candidate to bounce back for sure. sure. And then Tyler Chatwood, you know, he's he's a five starter. Whatever team you really put him on, he's a number five starter. So I think if the top three do their job, the four and five, Quintana and Chatwood should find a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about someone that, that always gets it done, Chris Bryant. He's mm-hmm. my MVP pick for this team. And I mean, I don't think there's really much of a doubt. He won the MVP in 2016. And since then, he hasn't really looked that back that much. I mean, he wasn't fully healthy in 2018 when uh, he only played 102 games. But when he was healthy last year, he had 31 home runs and 77 RBIs. He hit 282 and had an OPS over 900. Yeah, I mean, you can't really go wrong with Chris Bryant. But I also decided to go with a different cup for my MVP, and I decided to go with Javi Baez. That is okay, just, the most overrated player in the MLB. I, I wouldn't call him overrated. I think he's really <laughs> starting to turn into – I wouldn't say maybe a superstar, but definitely one of the best shortstops in the game. No, he's definitely had an impressive past couple of years. Yeah, he's been all-star 2018, 2019. He hit 281 last year, 290 the year prior. He could hit for power. He could hit, He could run. He gets, you know, he's a good average guy. So I think Javi Baez is going to be the heart and soul of this team next year. And I think can't not to knock Rizzo or Bryant, but, you know, Javi's the, I think, the most feared hitter in that lineup, in my opinion. And he's also, I mean, not just a great hitter. He's also a fantastic fielder. Mm-hmm. I was honestly surprised he wasn't even a runner-up for Gold Glove. He had a 26 defensive run saved last year, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I think he got knocked in that, uh, knocked in the Gold Glove, like, I guess, running for, he plays so many different positions, and it's mm-hmm. hard to give him a Gold Glove at one position because he plays second, short, and even a little bit of third so well. So, you know, he's just His versatility does now. help him, but he, especially last year, started to solidify himself as a shortstop. So he'll probably stay there for the majority of his time. But Yeah, that's where I expect to see him. Yeah. Uh, so now we're moving to the X factor, and this is really an interesting one because Craig Kimbrell, I have been berated for saying this for some time, but if – I had been saying for a couple of years now that if he can replicate what he did in Atlanta and San Diego and even uh, Boston for the second half of his career, he could possibly be as good as Mariano Rivera once was. Now, people are going to have a bad taste in their mouth because of last year we had a 6.5 ERA. He blew a bunch of saves. And striking out 30 batters wasn't bad in the 21 innings that he had. But mm-hmm. he also gave up nine home runs. Yeah. Uh, I, 20 innings. I also had Craig Kimbrell as my – X factor. I don't know if I have him as the same 
if I value him as much as you do, the whole Mariano Rivero. Mm-hmm. It might uh, be a stretch, but it's it's a hot take, and that's what those are meant for. No, yeah, I love a good hot take, but he definitely, if he can get back to that form, he will really, really help the Cubs because they haven't had that guy in the bullpen they can really rely on a few years. So that'll be huge. No, they haven't. Ever since, uh, yeah, ever since Chapman left, they have been struggling to find a really solid guy at the back end. I mean, Wade Davis was not too bad for them in 2017, but it wasn't really Mm -hmm. as good as he was in Kansas City. He was kind of a disappointment uh, in terms of what they thought he was going to be. Yeah, Kimbrell, I mean, I expect him to bounce back. He did sign that contract late and join the team late. So I think that's a big reason why, because he didn't have the time to prepare. Yeah, so with him having the whole season of prep, he should be a good bounce-back candidate and should help that Mm -hmm. team win. Now, the strength of that pitching staff, like we had talked about earlier, is the front end of that rotation. There are three guys that you could really name as the Cy Young, and I personally had picked Kyle Hendricks because Mm – Kyle Hendricks is a guy that is relatively young still at the age of 30, and he's yet to have a bad year. In 2015, he had his career worst 3.95 ERA, but his FIP that year was only 3.36, and his WHIP was 1.16, which is also pretty impressive. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks has been super, super consistent the past three years. He's always been a reliable guy for the Cubs. You expect him to take the ball every five days. And definitely a great pick to be a Cy Young possibly this year on the Cubs. But for my pick, I decided to go with you, Darvish, the, miss, the big contract they just gave to him recently. I, I think. can't hate on you for that one. I respect yeah. that pick. I think everyone – I don't think Cubs fans are crazy about him just because that contract he got and he hasn't really lived up to it yet. But he had a decent year last year. He took the ball almost every five days, had a sub-4 ERA. So I, th- I expect him in the 60-game season to want to prove something and try to – be the horse of that rotation, really carry the Cubs. Mm-hmm. He had that six or seven uh, game stretch. Mm-hmm. It was when the Mets played him. I think it was in May or yeah, June. I, believe. I think it was in yeah. I think it was June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in June he had a 185 batting average against. Yeah, he's always he's been that guy in the past that he's been an ace. It's just I think ever since that game seven with when he was on the Dodgers just left a bad taste in his mouth and he hasn't been able to bounce back. So. I think this mm-hmm. year should be the year that he should be able to figure it out and get back to his Yeah, season. definitely. Definitely should be. Uh, so let's move on to the Cincinnati Reds, perhaps the most improved team in the uh, AL Central. And they totally agree with that. Yep. had a fantastic offseason. They got four big names. They got Nick Cassianos, mm-hmm. which they stole from the Cubs, uh, Derek Dietrich, Mike Moustakis, and Wade Miley. Yeah, they had – I. you could argue they had the best offseason. Adding Castellanos and Moustakas just turns that lineup completely mm-hmm. around. They and had, that lineup was already uh, – had a few big pieces in it, if yep, you were talking sure. about, say, Joey Votto or even Aquino, who had that fantastic second half of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think the guy that's always forgotten about is Eugenio Suarez, who Definitely. is actually – I have him as my MVP of the team. People forget he was top three in home runs in the NL – this past yeah, season. he was. He was second. He had 49. Yeah, he was right up with Alonzo and, you know, Yelich, Bellinger, all the sluggers. So he had a really good year that flew under the radar. And I think that if he has another year like this, and he's not going to be under the radar anymore, he's going to break out and be one of the stars in the game if he could put up those numbers. My pick for MVP was uh, Mike Moustakis. Everywhere he's gone, he's been able to perform, put up numbers. He had 87 RBIs last year, 95 the year before, 85 
the year before that. And he's had 28 home runs or more in each of those three seasons. He's also hit above 250 those years, which is always something you like to see. Had an OPS above 770 all those years. And he's really been consistent. And wherever he's gone, he's stepped up and been the guy that the team needs him to be. And I expect him to do the same in Cincinnati. And Moustakis is a great get for them. I mean, with this new universal DH, he could possibly slide into that role, possibly play second base like he's been doing with the Brewers the past few years or so. I mean, it's interesting. There's a lot of options they could do with him. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's a great get, really huge addition. Now, as for the X Factor, uh, I'd like to hear your pick before I go into mine. So, my X Factor is this guy's been, you know, he's a potster, I would say. He loves to – I don't know. He's been in the middle of a few fights. I, I'm fan. Oh, I really you know, enjoy, I think I really we might like be having guy. the same guy. Yeah. So I went with Amir Garrett as my X factor. Oh so, no, never mind. I've got a different guy that likes to stir the pot. Yeah. So Amir Garrett, you know, he's kind of blew up last year for getting that whole brawl with the Pirates, and you know, he had a little dust up with the Cubs. But aside from all that, he's been a pretty. At times, he's been a pretty elite reliever. So I think if that guy has a chance to just maybe put that whole fighting behind him and just focus on, you know, getting guys out. He has a chance to be a dominant lefty and, you know, be a really strong piece of that bullpen. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing that he does need to worry about because as much as people don't like to think about it, baseball at the end of the day is a mind game. And if you're worrying a lot more about, you know, who you're going to get into your next fight with, you're just focusing on that instead of perfecting your craft. And at the end of the day, it's just going to hurt your level of play. Yeah, for sure. Now, who I picked is another guy that likes to stir the pot, and he's extremely divisive, especially over on Twitter. Uh, but that's Trevor Bauer. And yep. Trevor Bauer, I'm personally a big fan of Trevor Bauer. I think he actually makes a lot of good points and a lot of his things. I listen to his podcast a couple times, the Watch Momentum podcast, uh, Bauer Bites podcast, actually, with the Watch Momentum Network. And he's a guy that he's really, he's really self-conscious, honestly. So he's really – he thinks he's better than he is, but he can back it up because in 2018 he was an all-star with a 2-2-1 ERA. Yeah. Last year when he was in Cleveland, he was a good – he was a 3-7-9. But he's a guy who prefers to be the number one or the number two guy. When he was in Cleveland, he knew that Kluber was a, an all-star, a Cy Young candidate every year. So he was able to live with uh, being the number two starter there. But now if you look in Cincinnati, he's probably going to be the number three starter behind uh, Sonny Gray and behind Luis Castillo, maybe even the four if you think about Wade Miley. And I think that that's something that Bauer, especially the confident and uh, – how do I put this? The confident and arrogant, in a way, kind of guy yep. that he is. Outspoken. Needs to – outspoken, definitely. Um, he needs to figure out a way to realize that he's not going to be the number one guy here because – when he moved to Cincinnati, he was he had a six three nine ERA. He was not good by any stretch of the imagination last year in Cincinnati. But I think a big part of the reason is he's not adjusting well to being a back end of the rotation guy. He wants to establish himself as that first or second guy, and he can't exactly handle being the third or fourth guy in a rotation. So he needs to learn to respect that and learn to accept it. And if he can do that, I think he could return to 2018 or first half of 2019 Trevor Bauer that he was. Yeah, I think with a little bit of consistency with the team, he was – I think the trade rumors bothered him last year on the Indians. There's been trade rumors mm-hmm. up since the start of last year. 
and once he finally got traded, he I think he was just adjusting to Cincinnati in the second half last year, which maybe led to some of those poor numbers. But knowing that he'll be in Cincinnati for this whole season, I think he, he should have a strong year. I expect him to bounce back and be like 2018 Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. I agree. I completely agree. And I think we also agree on the Cy Young uh, as Luis Castillo. Yep. So underrated. Such an underrated. This man player. is a strikeout machine. He got 226 strikeouts in 190 innings last year. Yeah, he's got the best now, change up in baseball by a lot. No doubt there. And his biggest issue is giving up the long ball. He mm. gave up he gives up about 27 home runs a year so far in his three year career. Yep. But as long as he can tone that down, work a bit more on his fastball and uh, like a slider and get those strikeouts even up a little bit more possibly and get the home runs down. The home runs down is the biggest part. I think he could be a top 10, top 15 pitcher in baseball. Yeah, you know, changeup's a interesting pitch to have as your go-to because, you know, if you float it, it's going to get hammered for a home run. So mm-hmm. I guess that could be a reason for the high home run totals. But, you know, if he really, you know, develops those other pitches that he's not getting hurt by his changeup when he misses, then he's going to be – I mean, he only he'll turn into one of the best pitchers in the game. I think he's. I think the sky's the limit for this kid. No doubt there, and I think these Cincinnati Reds have gotten a lot of pieces, and they're a very complete team. One of the more complete teams in this uh, division. I'm not going to give away anything about their records just yet. We're going to wait till the end of the podcast for that. Mm-hmm. But they definitely have the potential to have what it takes to not be good just this year, but for years to come. Yeah, exciting team they got in Cincy for first time in a while. Mm-hmm. Now let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers, who uh, retired with the Cubs for the division lead at the 60-game mark last year at 34-26. and 26. Uh, They lost Gio Gonzalez last year, lost Yasmani Grandal, top two catcher in baseball, yes, Mike yep. Moustakis, Jimmy Nelson, Eric Thames. They've lost quite a few guys. Different-looking team for sure. It's going to be a very different looking team, but core pieces do still remain there. You've still got Brandon Woodruff. You've still got Josh Hader. You've still got obviously Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich. Lorenzo Kane. Yep. Lorenzo Kane. Can't forget about him. I think that it goes without saying that Christian Yelich is going to be their MVP. I completely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Yelich, I mean, 2018 MVP overall, the whole league. I think he's, he's the face of that franchise now that they, hit the ball out of the park with training for him. He has been, I guess, I wouldn't say surprisingly better than what he's been, but he's definitely out. He's definitely outperformed expectations when they got him. Mm-hmm. He, the past two seasons, has turned into one of the best players in the game. And he, I expect him to have another big year in these 60 games and put up some nice numbers. Exactly, because when he was with the Marlins, you're like, yeah, he's a good player, but you never expected him to be a top five MVP candidate. I mean, he won it two years ago, and – Honestly, I thought he should have won it last, last year. year. I, I yeah. think he should have won it last year. It was a toss-up yeah. between those two. They both had mm-hmm. insane years. Because I tend to be on the side where I prefer uh, actual value to a team, for at least for MLB MVP, in terms of who is the best player. Because um, Bellinger did have a better year, but that's partially because Yelich was hurt. And if you look at it, the Dodgers probably were going to be the one seed anyways, even without Bellinger. But mm-hmm. – Without Yelich, the Brewers weren't a playoff team. I mean, he was injured for 40 games or so last year, and they barely made the playoffs. Exactly, He wasn't yeah. there for 60 or 80. Yeah, he's a, he's a heart and soul of that team. And, you know, if he's healthy and he bounces back from his injury, he's going to have a big year for sure. 
Uh, so now let's move on to the X Factor. Who do you have here as your pick for the X Factor? So I'm going with a guy who has been – he was actually hurt basically all of last season. And, but when this guy's healthy, he's electric. So I went with Corey Knable, who mm. should sl- slot in and be the closer for the Brewers. Uh, yeah, so for me personally, I picked uh, I picked Ben Gamble because mm-hmm. he's shown that he's had the potential to be a uh, pretty solid hitter. In Seattle, he hit just over 270 for his career over there. He hit around 271, 272 there. And he got on base really uh, well. He got on base about 34% of the time. And when he went to Milwaukee, those numbers went down a little bit. His batting average went down to 248, and his on-base percentage went down. Actually, his on-base percentage went up, excuse me, from his time in Seattle. His on-base percentage was 335 in Seattle, 337 in Milwaukee. But he also didn't produce in terms of getting runs nearly as much. He had only seven home runs and 33 RBIs in 134 games. Yet when he was in Seattle and played 134 games in 2017, he had 11 and 59, close to double on those numbers, which are decent numbers. I think any team would be happy for that for a guy that is going to be playing 134 games in a 162-game season, which would probably translate to about 45 games in this season. But uh, that's why I have him, because he can he's hit or miss. Yeah, Ben Gamble should see his playing time go up a little bit more with the departure of all those big names you mentioned. So I mm-hmm. think that's a great X factor, definitely a name to look out for. Now, uh, who do you have as your Cy Young? So my Cy Young, I didn't go with the starting pitcher. I decided really? to go with Josh Hader, who has been one of the most dominant relievers uh, in baseball recently. He had a little bit of a down year second half of last year, but I think – once his fast people stop catching up to his fastball, he's gonna be he'll be right back up where he was and he should dominate once again. Now for me, I before I talk about my reliever, uh my Scion, excuse me, I just wanna discuss Josh Hader for a minute because I would not put him as mine because like you said, he had a down second half of the year, especially in July and August, where he had a three nine seven in July, five seven nine ERA in August. And he also blew uh, five saves in those two no, two months. He was seven of twelve in those two months, and it's hard to judge a player just off of two months, especially when he's been lights out for his entire career. Aside from that, but then you also look at how he did in the postseason. I, I believe it was his first postseason appearance. His and, only, you know, they lost in that wild card game. So, yeah. And they lost in that wild card game, and he blew it. He didn't have any of his stuff. He was wild. He walked a few batters, and obviously the play in right field that went through his legs blew it for him, but it really shows me that I don't know if he's able to take the next step and be a great playoff pitcher. And clearly in second half of the year, people are starting to catch up to his fastball. And I'm not certain that people are going to just suddenly stop catching up to it. When you finally figure a pitcher out, I feel it's something that kind of sticks. Yeah. I mean, Josh Hader has been one of the most used relievers in the past I guess mm-hmm. two, two and a half years. So that could be one of the reasons why, why I think people have been cashing up to his, his, uh, his fastball. So he threw, which is insane for a reliever, he threw 72 and 75 innings in 2018 or 2019. And in 2018, he threw 81. So 
when you look at those numbers, that's a crazy amount of innings for a reliever, especially in high leverage situations. So mm-hmm. I think with this time off, he had a chance to rest his arm. He should be fresh and ready to go for these 60 games. So that's why I think he's going to turn back and be the lights out reliever he was. Yeah, you make good points. And if he's the hater that he was from April to June of last year, and if he can turn his fastball back up and mix it up just a little bit, because he relies on that so much more. Because he also throws a slider and a changeup, but he relies on that fastball so much more than any other pitch. If he can start to add those other pitches to his repertoire more and work on them more, he'll be a nasty reliever. For sure. But uh, I just wanted to touch on that because there is a bit of a chance that he could not be the best reliever in baseball like he was last year for the first yeah. half. Uh, my ex, my Cy Young, excuse me, was Brandon Woodruff. Pretty good pitcher. Uh, he had a 3.62 last year, but he had pretty bad fielders around him. He had a 3.01 FIP, which is field and independent pitching. It takes, it attempts to take the pitcher's uh, true outcomes into consideration and get rid of any fielding factors. Yep. And I think that if he could continue to have a great year as that number one guy in the rotation, uh, it'll be really good for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, he's a. He's an underrated pitcher, I think. He kind of flies under the radar because he used to mm-hmm. be in the bullpen for the Brewers. But I think he should have a strong season, 60 games, you know, take the ball every five days, and she'd be a good option for them. Yeah, last year was the first year he uh, really started to be a starter. And we'll see how he does in his age 27 season. Yep. But uh, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who they, let's be real, they had a absolutely awful uh, off season, probably one of the worst off seasons in the entire major leagues, and they were twenty nine and thirty one at the sixty game mark last year. So if you're going off that, you'd think they would have a chance uh, to do well in this season. But then you look at the way they did in the second half of last year, and they ended up the season sixty nine and ninety three. And now that they are losing. Francisco Cervelli, Melky Cabrera, Francisco Liriano, especially Starling Marte. Those other names might not mean as much to you, but Starling Marte is a huge loss. And they're going to be replacing they're going to be replacing with like Gerard Dyson for a yeah, team they're... that was already struggling on the offensive end. It's just unacceptable to replace Starling Marte with Gerard Dyson. Yeah, the Pirates have been a sad franchise to watch the past few years. They had a, so much promise with, you know, McCutcheon, Polanco, mm-hmm. Yep. Marte, Garrett Cole, you know, all those guys. And then it just seemed like that one bad move they did by trading Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows to the Rays for Chris Archer has done nothing but stink since he's been in Pittsburgh. It's just, it's just been that one move that has almost set the franchise back maybe three years. Who knows? They just mm-hmm. have not been the same team since. At the very least, because now we're, now we're a couple years out of that trade and they're far from being able to get back to that level. I mean, especially the biggest, biggest part I think that's hurting them is not even just the, the lineup because the lineup's not great in, uh, in its own end, but they at least have a couple bright spots in Josh Bell, uh, JT Riddle, even Adam Frazier possibly. The worst part to me is uh, just their starting rotation. I mean, we were doing research and discussing, and it's just hard to find someone that you could even consider putting as a Cy Young candidate for them. There's not even a guy that off the that really stands out. I mean, I guess Chris Archer, you know, he's had his moments, but he's down with the injury. So yeah, who do you? So without Joe him, Musgrove's interesting name to look at. So I mean, 
just no one too exciting right now in the Pirates. I would say. Yeah, speaking of Joe Musgrove, I did put him as my uh, as my Cy Young candidate for them, but that's not really saying much because it's the Pirates and they don't really have many other options. I mean, he's always had an ERA above four, and if that's the guy they're putting out as his ace, that's going to be an issue for them. Yeah, I also – I had uh, Musgrove actually as my X factor because, I mean, for me, it's you don't know what you're going to get out of that kid. It's He was mm-hmm. pretty highly touted when he was in the Astros organization. 100%. And, then, and he got traded over for Garrett Cole. So, I mean, that's a big name to get traded for, and he hasn't really – I wouldn't say impressed anyone. He hasn't been unimpressive. He just really has just been a number four starter. That's always been, and he hasn't, you know, made any improvement since. So, I mean, we'll see what he does. He's an interesting name to look at, though, for sure. If he's your X Factor, who do you have as your Cy Young candidate? So, for my Cy Young candidate, I got Trevor Williams, who was, I'd say, two years ago, 2018 season, he was an electric pitcher in the second half of that season. So, he if he could bounce back and you know have a really good year he's i think mm-hmm. the best pitcher in that rotation for sure yeah that's a good call uh so you had already talked about your uh, x factor so i'll talk about mine which is the young man brian reynolds who actually finished fourth in rookie of the year voting last year yeah he only he only played 134 games but he had a pretty solid season he had 16 home runs 68 rbis and he hit 314 with a 503 yeah. slugging percentage 377 on base percentage and he's looking really solid so far especially with little protection in his lineup so that's why i have him as he could be my mvp pick but i'm gonna have him as an x factor just because we've only seen one year out of him mm. and i would like to see a little bit more out of him yeah he's a he's a, i like brian Reynolds. he reminds me a lot about jeff mcneil we got over on the Mets. Mm-hmm. so pretty he, scrappy player you know he's, he hits, sprays the ball over the place he hits for average he has a little bit of pop so Definitely a name to look at in the next few years going forward. 100%. Uh, and then let's talk about the MVP. This is a guy that we both haven't touched upon yet. But uh, for me, it's going to be Josh Bell, and I believe for you it's going to be the same. Yeah, I also have Josh Bell. Yep. I mean, Josh Bell, uh, he was an all-star last year, and he had 116 RBIs. He had almost 40 home runs at 37. And he had for a decent average, too, at 277. He got on base at a 367 clip. He's a really good all-around guy, and he's not a great fielder, but you don't really need that at the first base position. Yeah, Josh Bell was uh, very, very highly touted coming up through the minor leagues of the Pirates. And his first few, few years in the bigs, it wasn't anything impressive. And then this past season, Although he really had... broke out and really you know, really came into his own and turns into one of the best first basemen in the game. Well, in 2017, his rookie eligible year, uh, he did actually have 90 RBIs, so he has shown what he could do then. Yep. Then in 2018, he did have a down year. But he did have a down year. Last year, he showed that he can consistently put up what he did in 2017, yeah, and that think, that wasn't a fluke. I think last year is the player you'll see from Josh Bell going forward. 2018 was just you know a little bit of growing pain, and he should be a consistent player. Mm-hmm. Especially with so few pieces around him, it's hard to do it every every single year. Exactly. He's got no protection in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we'll go to the St. Louis Cardinals, a uh, team that was 31-29 last year and then really disappointed in the playoffs last mm-hmm. year. Um, but their team's looking pretty solid uh, once again this year. Yeah, this team they, I think should be very hungry coming into the season. I, they got absolutely embarrassed in game five of that NLDS. And that, that was that game I turned off in like the second inning. Oh, my God. Unwatchable. It was like 11 nothing after two innings. So Yeah. 
I'm sure those guys, I mean, the Cardinals are a very proud organization and they take a lot of pride in being competitive every year and winning. So they don't, that's not something that they'll, they'll forget about. And they're going to want to come out firing in the beginning of the season. And they're going to use that as a, as having a chip on their shoulder. I mean, they're a team that can easily win this division this year. It's going to be a hard division, but they can win it, especially with that rotation that they've got. I mean, they brought back Adam Wainwright, who is going to yep. probably be their fifth arm in that bullpen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have Miles Michaelis up there. They have Carlos Martinez, Dakota Hudson, and obviously Jack Flaherty. Yeah, they got some interesting arms in that team. I would probably slate in Carlos Martinez. I think he's kind of accepted his role as the closer of that team, depending what Jordan Hicks does coming off Tommy John. but. I mean, one through five, it's an interesting rotation. You got Jack Flaherty at the top, who had a really, really good year last year. Uh, Michaelis had a little bit of a down year, but he should bounce back. Wainwright, very 100%. solid. Dakota Hudson, young arm that kind of established himself as a number two or three in that rotation. So I expect – and uh, Reyes is actually coming back too from Tommy John. So they have, they have a lot of arms that should be exciting to watch, and they should have a really strong rotation. Their pitching should not be an issue to worry about. And now what's interesting is I'm looking at how, who their catchers are, and you know, back in 2012, the, these guys would be highly touted. You got the duo of Yadier Molina and Matt Wieters as their catchers. Oh, yeah, this would be one of the two best two catchers in the league if this was 2012. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Yadier's, Yadier's going to be Yadi. He'll be out there for – I'll be shocked if he plays all six. Yeah, I mean, Yadi's <laughs> Mr. He's Consistent, definitely Hall of Famer, and – He's going to definitely be behind the plate. I expect to see him a lot. Mm-hmm. So maybe Matt Wieters would move over to that DH quite a bit. Yep. Uh, but then you've got a solid lineup the rest of the way around. you got Matt Carpenter, Paul DeYoung, Tommy Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler. Just a bunch of guys that could uh, slip in anywhere you need them to in a lineup and rake. Yeah, they, uh, they might miss uh, Jose Martinez, at, who they traded to Tampa. And, and Azuna a little bit. And Azuna a little bit. I mean, they got solid bats that they should be able to, you know, scratch and claw the, you know, mm-hmm. towards the top like the Cardinals always are. And one of the most solid bats is uh, Paul Goldschmidt, my MVP pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's one of the most consistent first basemen in the league. I mean, he's always putting up at least 30 home runs, nearly 100 RBIs. I mean, last year, 34 RBIs and 97 RBIs. It was perceived to be a down year for him. Yeah. And he had, it was more perceived to be a down year because he had a 260 batting average. But even then, that's still pretty fantastic. And I think that he's going to carry this lineup further. Yeah. I, I also had Paul Goldschmidt as MVP. I mean, like you said, the average is down slightly. I expect him, I mean, second year in St. Louis this year coming up, he will he'll be comfortable now. And he's going to think, do normal Paul Goldschmidt things and just rake. Uh, how about for the X Factor? I'd like so to hear for, yours first. For me, this is a guy who's been I wanna I wanna say under the radar, but he's been he's very highly touted by people in baseball. So I went with Harrison Bader, mm. who should be top of the order for the Cardinals, center fielder. And I picked him as my X factor because he has been a little up and down throughout his season. I and mean, he's he can hit for average, he's got some pop, and he's a very, very good glove in the center, but he hasn't put all three together at the same time. So if he could be consistent with all three at once, he'll be a very, very important piece of that team. Yeah, that's definitely a, a pretty good pick for your X Factor, especially because he's still young at the age of 26. Uh, he mm-hmm. just turned 26 last month. But 
my pick was uh, Matt Carpenter because he's starting to get older. He's 34 now, but he, especially in his earlier day, even when he was 29, 30, and like 32, he's shown that he could hit home runs totals near or above 30 and drive in 80 runs. He has had OPS is above 800 for four straight years between 2015 and 2018. And last year he had a bit of a down year, but he only played 130 games. And as long as he get back to the 2018, 2017 self, he'll be a fantastic, fantastic bet in the middle of this lineup. The only thing is, again, he's 34 and he's had some consistency issues over the past couple of years. Yep. Carpenter is another name that will extremely benefit from the universal DH and, you know, that will give him a chance to get his legs a little fresh when he needs them just to you take a day off and play DH. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I expect him to be, you know, hopefully Matt Carpenter of old and have a bounce back here. So let's move on to our MVP. Um, I think we both had the same one once again. It's the young arm, Jack Flaherty. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Jack Flaherty for Cy Young. He's, he was up in the Cy Young conversation in the whole league last year. So, I mean, I expect Ranked fourth. Ranked fourth, exactly. So, he's a young, exciting pitcher, and, and I expect him to be, you know, challenging the DeGroms and Scherzers of the world for Cy Young in the NL. He actually led the NL in uh, his per nine innings last year with only 6.2, which is yeah, remarkable for really impressive. who was 23 at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, those are the teams. Yep. So uh, let's get into our predictions for the standings. Yes, let's uh, do I'd it. I'd love to hear yours first. All right. So for my NL Central predictions, I have the Cardinals coming in at first with a 39-21 and 21 record. Right behind mm-hmm. them, I have the Chicago Cubs with 36-24 and 24 really? record. And the Cubs, I also have them making the playoffs as a second wildcard team. But Interesting. That's very future future pod, I guess, uh, for yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do a podcast after these discussing the playoffs and, like, uh, MLB awards. Yeah, for sure. So, Cincy, I got coming in at third place with the 34-26 and 26 record. I do have them missing the playoffs, but that is a huge, you know, jump from where they have been being above 500 and, like, being mm-hmm, in contention all the way. And then Milwaukee, I have a 33-27 and 27 in fourth place. And then in fifth place, I got the Pirates – pretty far behind the top four teams at 21 and 39. Yeah, this is going to be one of the closer league uh, divisions in the MLB. Yeah. Talked about how the – in the last pod about how the NL East is going to be pretty close as well. But for me, I've got the top four teams are all within seven games. Um, as do I. I've actually, got, I've actually got the Cincinnati Reds in first place here at okay. 37 and 23. I think they'll definitely benefit from a shorter season because they're one of the teams that could get hot and get hot quick, especially with uh, – teams in the ALEs that they're playing like Kansas City and Detroit. They'll be playing them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got Milwaukee just one game behind them at 36 and 24. Uh, and then I have St. Louis at in third place at 31 and 29. I just think that they had a not great offseason. They lost uh, Marcelo Zuna and Jose Martinez. Uh, and those are two pretty big pieces in our lineup last year. And I think it'll definitely hurt them. Uh, but then I have the Cubs in fourth place at 500 at 30 and 30. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates are quite a ways down at 18 and 42, 19 games out of first place. Yeah, I like that. I think one through four, you could argue any position of those four teams. They're all, I want to say they're, so, they're all so similar. I mean, the mm-hmm. Reds the Reds are interesting to look at at first for years because I can't say I love their bullpen. I mean, they got yeah, that's Amir Garrett and Michael Lorenzen. But, outside but of they're that, both 
they got to find their identity. wild card, as we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those teams, though, they're all, they all have their flaws. You know, the Brewers don't have the strongest rotation in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the Cardinals lineup is, you know, we'll see what that does. And the Cubs, also the Cubs bullpen, you know, who knows what that's going to look like. So, it's really who comes out firing in that division, and that should come on top. Yeah, it's a big question of who can get a pretty big hot streak, who can capitalize on another team's mistakes, and who can try and patch the biggest holes, whether it's with maybe a, a trade, if there are going to be trades this year, uh, maybe a mid-season uh, call-up, if you want to call it a call-up, yep. uh, whatever it is, if they can find a way to patch their holes, whichever team does that the best, or whichever team capitalizes on the other team's holes the best, will be the one on top. And like you mentioned, the team that beats up on Kansas City and Detroit the most will no doubt probably be on top of this division. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the team that actually I think gets the biggest advantage there is going to be the Cincinnati Reds because they do play Detroit six times. And Detroit's going to be probably the worst team in that division. So I think they, they benefit the most because if you look at the Cubs, they only play them three times. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals also only play them three times. Yeah, with the whole new MLB scheduling, they the way they did it is, you know, they're trying to limit travel as much as they can. So, mm-hmm. you know, these teams are like for the NL East, for example, their Mets are only playing the, I think the Orioles, the Orioles three times. Four times. Well, yeah, well, the Nationals play them six. So it's like you know the numbers are not all the same. Teams, you know, get a little bit of an advantage. So it's just you know the scheduling, you know, it shook out that way. But teams, you know, they're still gonna have to play all sixty, and you never know what's gonna happen. And it's a big advantage, uh, depending on if you got a good roll with the schedule or a bad roll. Yep, exactly. Especially in such a short season where every game counts. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that seems to be the theme of all these podcasts. Every game counts. Every game counts, you know. In this new COVID-19 reality we're dealing with, you know, all these changes, you know, every everything comes a little bit more important. Yeah. Well, I believe that just about wraps it up for our podcast today, the NL Central one. Be on the lookout for the other ones we got. NL West, AL East, AL Central, and AL West left to go. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Mr. Heenan. I'm sure you'll be here for the other NL one. Yep, thanks for having me. It's uh, always a good time talking baseball. Can't beat it. It's a pleasure as always. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Subscribe, download, all that fun stuff. Uh, Have a good one.